With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Cincy 360. About Cincinnati. From Cincinnati. On ESPN 1530. Here's James Rapine and Mo Egger. Houston is not going to foul him. Three seconds, two seconds, one second, and the ball game is over. Houston knocked the Bearcats down, but the Cougars could not knock the Bearcats out. Cincinnati climbs off the canvas for the biggest comeback win of the Mick Cronin era. The Bearcats rally from 18 down and beat Houston 80 to 70. Oh, should we should we go into the UC channel? Oh, here? I'd love it if you did that. Please oh, go for it. Oh, this is Cincy 360 oh, on ESPN 1530. Mo Egger and James Rapine. The Bearcats winners last night come from behind fashion. Dan Horde, News Radio 700 WLW with the call of the final seconds of a really fun, entertaining, interesting, compelling basketball game that represented a marvelous comeback by the Cats. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I got to ask you because, it, yeah, and that's Dan Horde, awesome call there. When it was 33-15, Mo, and you were at the game, mm-hmm. how worried were you on a 1-10? to 10? I was worried. Um, an 8? Is that Yeah, fair? about an 8. A buddy of mine sent me a text and said game over. I didn't feel that way. But I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching the way Houston is scoring, and, and you could say, well, they're not going to shoot it as well as, as they were, but their best player, Rob Gray, who's the leading scorer in the league, he really hadn't gotten going. And the Bearcats were so sloppy with the ball in the first 10 minutes. Jaron mm-hmm. Cumberland had four turnovers. They never really could get into their offense. It, 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 just, it just had the makings of, all right, the home court winning streak's about to come to an end. They're going to have to scratch and claw. I even said uh, to, to someone at halftime, I'm like, man, most of the first half, I didn't think they're going to lose by 18 points. This, to me, had the makings of one of those games where they claw all the way back and then get beat at the horn. That's wow. where I thought it was going to happen. Um, that was an impressive win last night. And, and look, Houston is a very possible NCAA tournament team. Mm-hmm. We talked about the player, uh, Rob Gray, who, who's, who's very, very good. Cincinnati held him to nine points last night. Um, to come from behind and get that win, I, I thought was impressive. But to me, it illustrated what their, their biggest problem is and what their best strength is. Turnovers. Turnovers. Yeah. I, the, the, the most impressive thing, and correct me if you, you disagree, but to me – when they were down 18, I thought they would make a comeback. I thought they would adjust defensively. Right. And, and Didn't get, think they were going to lose in, by 18 at home. They're at home, yes. Right. There's a reason they're ranked where they are. There's a reason they were 19-2 and two going into the game. But I never, outside of this year, I don't think Mix had a team that can guard like that and mount an 18-point comeback and erase it by halftime. And that's what they did. They went. They were down thirty-three to fifteen, mm-hmm. and they go into the locker room down forty to thirty-seven. Yeah, and it, it's forty to thirty-four. And Jacob Evans does this. Ten seconds left. Jacob Evans defends. Gray passes for Corey Davis. Trevor Moore on him. Davis passes into traffic. Now it's thrown backward and intercepted by Evans. Evans pull up three. Oh! 
Jacob Evans the third banks it in as the buzzer sounds. The officials will go check the monitor, but there is no doubt in my mind that Evans got that shot off in time, and Cincinnati will go to the locker room down by three. When that happened, and that's Dan Horton, Terry Nelson, really good call there at News Radio 700 WLW. When that happened, I'm like, all right, <laughs> they're going to find a way, and, and they made it 40 to 40 really early in their first possession of the second half. And then. You weren't as worried, I would assume. Down three at the half, I was elated. I didn't think they were going to lose at that point. Let's give it up to Jacob Evans last night. He's, he's kind of become um, this era's Deontay Vaughn. Mick never took Deontay Vaughn out of the game. How could you? Jacob, when he gets into foul trouble, you saw it against Memphis, he's going to take him out. He played 40 minutes last night. Yeah. 40 minutes and did everything. He guards multiple positions. He brings the ball up. He initiates offense. He makes outside shots. He rebounds. He made the defensive play of the game. The shot at the end of, 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 of the first half didn't have the best shooting night, but did everything. And we've spent a lot of time specifically focusing on Gary Clark, and understandably so. Jacob Evans does everything. He does everything for this team uh, on both ends of the court. And last night, his team needed him to do everything, and they couldn't afford to put him on the bench, and he came through. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the, 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 the thing that stood out to me most last night was the first 11 minutes of the game, they had eight turnovers. That's a staggering amount of turnovers for a team that's not pressuring you. The final 29 minutes of the game, they had one. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? If they don't turn it over, they're going to be okay. Now, there, there are two losses. Against Xavier, they didn't turn it over, but they just weren't ready to withstand everything that that game threw at them. Hostile environment, everything. rivalry game, yeah, right. going up against... One of the best teams in America, absolutely. I the Florida it. game played at an exceptionally slow pace, neutral court, against a Florida team that was struggling, 21 turnovers. Mm-hmm. Half that, and the Bearcats win that game by 12 points. It, it to me, shows you that their, their biggest potential issue is going to be when they turn it over. The Memphis game on Saturday was only really close-ish because they had 15 turnovers. And, again, this, the, these are occurring against teams – it's not like they're pressing you, playing 94 feet, trapping you. That They're just playing straight up either man-to-man or zone defense. Mm-hmm. When they're sloppy with the ball, it shrinks the margin for error. The margin for error is still pretty wide, comparatively speaking. When they don't turn it over, they're going to get good shots. They're going to get offensive rebounds. Um, Gary Clark can go to work. Jacob Evans can, cre- can create opportunities. Uh, Jaron Cumberland can create opportunities. They have guys who can hit shots from the outside. If they protect the basketball, They've got a really, really, really good chance of scoring. Now, that sounds like obvious analysis, and on many levels it is. Turn it over and you don't score. Turn it over and you have a better chance of scoring. But if we, you think of the, the volume of, of offensive options they have, and I get it, it's UC basketball. You don't connect them to offense. They've had some games this year where they haven't shot it all that well. They've had, they've had some halves this year, which, which were really hard and ugly to watch. But for the most part, they get good shots. It's not a team taking a bunch of contested shots. It's not a team taking a bunch of, you know, those Sean Kilpatrick, Cashmere right end-of-shot-clock heaves. Mm-hmm. They get good looks, and they've got guys who can offensive rebound. If they don't turn it over, they've got a really good chance to score, and then they're going to do what they do on the other end. The key is the turnovers. I think that's the, the, the biggest thing, I mean, with turnovers. That, because if you're turning the ball over, you're not going to be able to get set defensively. And, and right. they're really good defensively in the half court. And, and that's one thing Mick talked about after the game is how difficult it was to guard Houston. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But here's Mick Cronin on the importance uh, of turning the ball over early and how that led to their 18-point deficit and how the lack of turnovers helped them recover and get the 10-point win. You know, you turn the ball over against good basketball teams. You can get away with it against teams that are inferior talent-wise. You turn the ball over against good basketball teams, 
especially a hot shooting team, they make you pay. And they make you pay dearly because it eliminates your defensive game plan, your defensive scouting report. Uh, and that was, it was devastated us early. Once we stopped turning the ball over, we gave ourselves a chance. Now, obviously, we had some, some, some guys hit some big shots. Uh, but you're going to have a chance to get shots and find an offensive rhythm if you take care of the ball. You also have a chance to set your defense against a very high-powered offensive team. They average more points a game than we do. Uh, you know, they, obviously, they have some guys can really, really shoot the basketball from the three-point line. So it's hard to find them in transition at times if you're turning the ball over. So second thing I would tell you, though, Dan, it, it's not a stat, is – Toughness and physicality. The aggressor usually wins in basketball and football, boxing, you know, sport, sports uh, of competitiveness, of physicality. The aggressor usually wins. And you'll hear coaches say things like, well, we didn't deserve to win this night because he didn't think his team was the aggressor. We were far from the aggressor early in this game. You know, their physicality, Houston. Their physicality had us on our heels. We were in shock by their physicality. Um, and hence you're down 18. Um, you know, now give our kids credit. Give our crowd credit. They stayed with us. Uh, I was worried that we had spoiled our crowd. Uh, but they <laughs> came to cheer tonight, we, and we needed every bit of them tonight. That's Mick Cronin after the game with Terry Nelson. And Dan Horde, News Radio 700 WLW. Mo, obviously you were right there courtside. Did it seem like Houston early on was out physically, physically just more dominating than, than the Bearcats early? Or was it not, the turnover? Not drastically so. I, I, would, say, I would say Mick Mick's assessment is, is accurate. But the thing that stood out to me more than anything was just they, they couldn't match. Look, I didn't think Houston was going to continue to score at the rate that they were. I think at one point the players not named Rob Gray were like 11 for 14. And they were getting offensive rebounds, which speaks to phys- physicality. But to me, it was, it was about the turnovers. Let me quickly mention a guy, though, that, that we often don't talk about. We talk about this team's depth. Now, think of where they are in the first half without Nysir Brooks. Had a couple of dunks early where he sealed his guy perfectly, catches an entry pass, and scores. And then the play right before Jacob Evans is, is a block. Brooks runs the court lays it in mm-hmm. right before the play that Evans made right before uh, right before halftime. They cut it to six. Just yeah, think, yeah, just sort of an example of of a, a minor but important bench contribution that this team is capable of getting. Gary Clark only played 30 minutes last night. Uh, Kyle Washington, who was very good, only played 26 minutes last night. I thought their post guys held their own. But but th- the biggest thing for me, Mick talked about it before the game on the pregame show last night. It's it's turnovers. Mm-hmm. If this team doesn't turn it over for the most part, they're going to be okay, no matter who they play against. And again, they, they just may run into a team that plays the way Xavier did in the Crosstown shootout. That was a night where the Bearcats didn't turn it over all that much. But if against the majority of teams they play, whether it's the two Wichita State games, the game at Houston, the, the SMU game, whatever they have in March, if this team takes care of the basketball, usually they're going to get a really good look because you're throwing it down to Gary Clark. He can take a guy one-on-one. If not, he's being doubled. You can kick it up to a good outside shooters or competent outside shooters. You have two guys who can create some havoc on the wing. Kane Broom looks more and more comfortable. It's, it's the turnovers. It, to me, it was, it was... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It was plain as day. First 11 minutes, they couldn't maintain possession. Final 29, they were awesome at maintaining possession. He's Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. We do this every single day, noon to one. And Mo, obviously Jacob Evans, we heard the highlight just a few minutes ago with Dan Horde uh, to bring him within three at halftime. A lot has been made about Jacob Evans and him being the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Um, you were obviously impressed. His, his performance yesterday was impressive. Does... Him playing point guard more, bringing the ball up the court, do you think that's translated, or is something clicking now differently with Jacob Evans? Because you look at the game last night, and it seems like he was plenty aggressive. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if it's the ball being in his hands. It, it felt like last year, um, especially when they played on the road, it felt like Jacob was, was content to just hang out behind the arc mm-hmm. and lift threes. Now, he's got a nice three-point stroke, and he can still make that shot. But it kind of feels like now – He's he's shooting those threes after attempting a move where he's got the ball in his hands and it's kind of in rhythm of what he's doing one on one off the dribble. Yeah, or, yeah, I noticed that a lot. Where it kind of felt like last year with with Troy Copain running the point and and Justin Jennifer backing him up, it kind of felt like you know Jacob was just kind of camping out. And he'd catch it and hunted points from shooting threes. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the ball's in his hands more often this year, and they're able to to just get him going. Whether it's you know getting to the rim, making a play, shooting a shot in rhythm. It just looks and feels different. The stats aren't otherworldly better, but just the, the the eyeball test. I mean, how many times do you walk away from a Bearcat game and you're like, all right, you know, Jacob Evans double figures, but he had a bunch of assists, contributed on on the glass, and and he made plays on defense. It just feels like the, the totality of his game is rounding into form. And I've I've had people say to me, well, I thought he'd be a more prolific scorer on a different team. He might be, but this team doesn't need him to be. No, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times this year? Think of over the last seven seasons, which, by the way, really good teams, how many times have they had possessions end in shots where you're like, dude, what are we doing? What Quadri more, just the shot clock ended and the guy had to heave it. Yeah. Now it kind of feels like every time they shoot, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think that speaks to, to, the, to their, their, their depth. I think it speaks to the wealth of weapons they have. Sometimes Washington will lift a three and you're like, dude, what are you doing? But oftentimes those go in. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of shots for Washington. He flips it up there, and I'm like, oh, God. And speaking yeah. of Kyle, he played well yesterday, too. Let he him did. scoring. And I, I just, I've said it about Xavier so much. And in looking at UC now, down 18, and the way, obviously at home, but the way they did that, they have that depth where if insert whatever player's having an off night, Gary Clark's having an off night, or Jacob Evans gets into foul trouble, or they're down 18 because they turn all, the ball over enough. They have the firepower and the nice combination of, of depth and talent to come back mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. And that's – I feel like a broken record with this because it seems like now every win we talk about with UC, we say how it was a really good win. But down 18 against a team that had four losses coming in, mm-hmm. and a couple of those were really close, I think, I think that's a really, really nice win. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all the cliches that people were using last <laughs> night. Gut check, toughness, you know, showed some stones. I mean, that's, that's – you're right. We've said that with Xavier this year, where they've played inferior opponents and fallen behind DePaul, uh, East Tennessee. You know, they really didn't fall behind by a lot against St. John's, but still just where they get some pushback 
And, you know, I, I always, I talk about this all the time. I, I think it's, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to consistently win in the dog days, man. You know, mm-hmm. that game, you could tell watching, watching Houston's bench in the first half, they're ready to go, man. Yeah. That was their chance for a statement win. You know, most bracket projections kind of have them in, but not firmly in. They're looking for a signature win. You go on the road against a top 10 team. You get off to an early start. Like, that game really, really mattered to Houston. You're up 33-15. Feeling pretty good. Really good. Um, I just can't imagine how demoralizing it must have been for that team to go in at, at the half up three. Because they, for a while, they did everything right. They were the aggressor. They were the more physical team. They were offensively efficient. I mean, they they forced some turnovers. UC forced the turnovers more themselves. But still, to go in only up three had to be demoralizing. And um, I haven't seen that type of quick strike come at you in waves when when we have to. I mean, they had to cut the, 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 the lead. We talked off the air. I think we both would have been happy at that point being down 10. Under 10. That, right. That's always usually the goal. Oh, you're down 18. Right. Let's get it under 10 and regroup. At, you at kind of time. expect them to chip away, right? Mm-hmm. Get a stop. Come down. Hopefully score. Okay, let's get another stop. All right, let's 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 chip away. When's the last time you saw them just swarm a team and in eight minutes go from down 18 to down three? They erased it. Yeah. First possession of, of the second half, it's tied. And that's the thing. If you're Houston – you know you're the underdog. You know you're on the road, and you came out firing, and now it's it puts you on your heels a bit. And how right. many Mick Cronin teams have had the offensive firepower to put you on your heels? Right. As a team, not pe- one guy going off. You're right, and, and people talk about, like, you know, well, you know, that game in March. Well, okay, maybe you're not going to play Houston in the Sweet 16, but you're going to play a team like Houston early, mm-hmm. upset-minded, ready to go, something to prove, um, one individually really good player, some experience and a very good coach. Kelvin Sampson, you can say what you want about him as a guy, is a very good coach. That you're gonna face that team in the NCAA tournament. And and for UC, you're trying to in the first round and, and maybe depending on where they're seated in the second round to avoid disaster. That's the kind of team you're gonna play. Now, last night you had a great home crowd and, and the crowd was unlike it had been since they uh, had to temporarily move into BBNT Arena. But who's to say that they're not gonna face that? And who's to say that something from what they did last night can't be applied to a challenge they may face in March? We'll get one more from Mick Cronin here. And this is just, it was interesting. I want to ask you about the crowd as well, because the the crowd was made to to be such a big deal last week. Yeah. And and I didn't think it was, I thought it was pretty loud the other day, or yesterday. Here's Mick Cronin on the importance or, or how hard it was to guard Houston and the crowd noise. But, you know, the problem is they're a hard team to press because they play three guards with tremendous speed. They didn't turn speed. the ball over. Yeah. They got tremendous speed and quickness. So the matchup is tough for us because they kind of negate our ability to, to pressure you because th- they play so fast and they got guys loaded to ground that are quick with the ball and very good with the ball. So, But unlike this game, the Florida game, you stopped pressing because of their quickness. This game, you stuck with it and yeah. it paid dividends. Yeah, we tried. You know, we, I thought we made a mistake in the Florida game with that. You know, we had a – staff meeting after those two losses and i just said you know we've got to be able to play our style no matter what um and be able to press without fouling and just even if we're not trapping we got to pick up full court and pick up and keep trying to take teams out of what they're trying to do but uh, they're a very hard team to play defense against very very hard if you don't get your hands on passes and on the ball and you let them run their stuff mm-hmm. They're, they're going to pick you apart. And they pull you out high. Yeah. yeah. They, they, you know, he's going to pull you out. He's going to spread you out. They got guys that can hit the roll man. 
the guy with the ball for them finds the open man, and they have shooters. So they're, they're very good in the pick and roll, and they can spread you out in different ways. So they're, they put a lot of stress and pressure on you defensively. And once we started getting our hand on passes and on the basketball and our deflection that total went up, then they couldn't always just find the shooter or find the roll guy. So we had to get more aggressive with what we were doing on the defensive end because they're very, very hard to play defense against. Congrats on a great win. We will see you tomorrow night at the Montgomery Inn. All right. Can't uh, wait. Yeah, that's Mick Cronin after the game. And uh, Do we get to go to the Montgomery Inn? I wish. Hmm. I wish. Uh, he's Mo. I'm, I'm James. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. How was the crowd noise? Awesome. It sounded great. It sounded great Look, to me. Let, let's, let's be real. They, the, 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 crowds, the crowds have been fine. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the people have gone to the games. You know, we, we, we explored this on our show last week. There's not as many students because there's not as many student seats. It's obviously harder for the students to get there. There aren't as many places to go before or after a game at BB&T. There's a lot of different reasons, but for the most part, they've played a bunch of blowouts at home. Yeah. There, there hasn't been a game where it's like, hey, we could really use the crowd on our side here getting a stop. I mean, they're really ha- they haven't had an 18-point comeback. So the, the crowds have been quiet because the games haven't been good. Mm-hmm. Now, they've been fun if you're a UC fan, but – for the most part, at the under four-minute timeout of the second half, people are leaving because the game's decided. Yeah. That wasn't the case last night. Had you had like 10 of those last night, we'd be talking about how it's rocking at BB&T Arena. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it'll be great moving forward anytime it's close. Hopefully, they just don't uh, dig themselves an 18-point deficit. <laughs> He's Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360. We're going to switch gears now and talk a little Bengals because, Mo, I think I know – where A.J. McCarron is going to end up next season. Really? Where he's going to suit up. I think I you do. Have a crystal ball? I'll tell you where because of my crystal ball. Next on Cincy 360. Cincy 360 carries on on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. The Bengals landed a big-time free agent, sort of. I'll explain in 20 minutes here on Cincy 360. <laughs> he's Mo. I'm James. Uh, Let's switch gears. We're talking about UC's epic comeback, and it made us both feel really good, really, really good. Epic comeback. We could say our Bearcats, right? Of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, I went there. You didn't. Chad Brendel (laughs) will be on this show. Chad Brendel also didn't go there. 345. 345 today. Yeah, that's true. So you you both cover them for work. That's fair. That's fair. Closer to the team than I am. I don't know about all that. I I think that's fair. I would have gone to the University of Cincinnati. I wanted to go to the University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to, uh, attend the school that had the basketball program that I was in love with. The University of Cincinnati in 1995 did not have a campus radio station. Yeah, <clears throat> University of Dayton did. That's they, all it came down to. That's they all, did when I went there. That's all I cared about. I don't so. blame you. And it, it led to this awesome gig with Oh, me. that's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> From noon to one. Oh, my dreams day. have come true. Exactly. He's Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360. Mo, I think I know where A.J. McCarron is going to play next season. Because I, I'm listening to and uh, reading all these writers from Cleveland and, and speculation that he could land in Arizona, and obviously Bengals fans want to know where he's going to get traded to or where he's going to sign with. And I've thought about it, and it's, it's February. We're officially 14 days away from Countdown finding is out on. about A.J. McCarron's future. That's why I just want the Super Bowl to come and go so that now we can finally get to can this. Can we get to, like, the real news? Exactly. The real news of A.J. McCarron. I would imagine that Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth will devote a lot of time during the broadcast talking about yeah, this you, on you Sunday. You just wonder where this future Hall of Famer is going to end up. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say Cleveland. And I don't think so. In fact, I think he's going to stay here. And here's why. Let's just say 
that the arbiter comes back and rules in favor of the Bengals, mm-hmm. and he's a restricted free agent. The Bengals are expected to place, and this is going to get super football-y, but a first-round tender on A.J. McCarron. Right. Meaning that if a team is going to sign him, they have to give up a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. There's zero teams on earth going to do that. None. I know Hugh Jackson loves him. There's no way the Browns let him give up a first-round pick to get A.J. McCarron. I just right. don't see it. Right. He'll, be, he'll have a contract of, of around 4 to $5 million, something like that. Sure. The Bengals value A.J. McCarron. Mm-hmm. The Bengals have seen multiple things happen in the past couple weeks. Nick Foles led in, in his part of in keeping the Eagles afloat is why they're playing on Sunday, even though their starter, the guy they built around in Carson Wentz, tore his ACL. So now they see the value of a backup quarterback, right? They, they, they say, ah, oh, yeah, it might be worth keeping around a guy we trust in A.J. McCarron. So there's one thing. Two, we've seen that they want multiple picks in return for him. I don't think they get that. I think the Bengals value A.J. McCarron more than anyone else. Look across the league. Would anyone outside of Cincinnati seriously look at And people in Cleveland don't want him. There are some people that don't want him. Obviously, Hugh does, like media members. Why would you think A.J. McCarron's going to be a good stopgap? Why would you want to waste time with him when you can just give the, the keys to the rookie or whatever? To me, A.J. McCarron's next landing spot, the jersey he's going to put on next year? It's Cincinnati. Yeah. It, it makes sense to me. It does make sense. I don't think the Nick Foles thing, I don't think the Bengals need that. I, like, I don't, I don't think they're sitting, sitting around Paul Brown Stadium going, you know, <laughs> got to have a backup quarterback. See the Eagles? I mean, they saw well, that firsthand. Well, well, they felt that already. Right. But, but, like, I don't, but I don't, they could point to that as, yeah. I don't viable. think they need to point to it. I don't think yeah. that's a part of their thinking. I, I think they, they go, well, number one, this guy's a, a capable backup. We have evidence to support that because the team didn't crumble when he had to play in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they don't need the Philadelphia Eagles or any of these other teams. You need a backup quarterback. And A.J. McCarron, they love the consistency and they love the stability. And they're not paying Andy Dalton all that much. Mm-hmm. So you can splurge a little bit on, on a backup quarterback. Now, for a team that right now has 36 to $38 million hanging around in, in cap room, and Mike Brown's already said, we don't have all the cap room in the world to go get free agents. You're going to have someone that goes, wait a minute, you're going to pay a guy who hopefully never plays 4 to $5 million? It's a very expensive insurance policy, mm-hmm. but good insurance policies sometimes do cost a lot of money. So I wouldn't have a major problem with it. But understand that if the plan is give A.J. McCarron a pay raise, a significant pay raise, that is going to cut into their ability to go help other areas. Sure, and, and I'm not saying I would necessarily do it or if I was calling the shots, A.J. would be here. I would, I would have already traded him. I've been on the, the trade McCarron wagon. I would have forced the Browns to, uh, you know, to, to <laughs> yes. make that deal. I would have done that. Could you imagine if we were talking about a second and third round pick right now? And right. by the way, McCarron would probably welcome that. I think he wants to play elsewhere. He wants to get his opportunity, a chance to compete for a starting job. I just think, let me put it like this. If there was a quarterback, a backup quarterback in Seattle, and he was backing up Russell Wilson, and last year the the Seahawks went to the playoffs and Russell Wilson missed the final four games of the year and couldn't start the playoff game, and this backup performed okay. Mm -hmm. wasn't great, but he performed okay. Would anyone in Cincinnati say he's better than Andy Dalton? (laughs) <laughs> yes. People would say that. <laughs> but in Cincinnati, I, I, I'll, I'll have people that tell me that Jeff Driscoll is better than Andy Dalton. So yeah, I'll, I'll but, hear that. Okay. 
But I don't think anyone here would know who he was. No, no, no. That, Look, that's the point. We know A.J. McCarron, and we hold him in higher regard here because he's ours. I think the, but I think the A.J. McCarron thing is based on, number one, there's a lot of people who have just decided that they don't like Andy Dalton, don't want Andy Dalton. Uh, they've dug in on Andy Dalton. Also, they watched college football. I mean, th- 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 for a lot of people, that's it. Look, you, you could not have watched A.J. McCarron play in 2015 mm-hmm. and conclude that he's better than Andy. You, you can't. You couldn't, okay? Mm-hmm. Not that he was bad. He was fine for no. a backup quarterback. Completed 66% of his passes. <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But you could just tell the offense but if you're, wasn't the if same. If you're being objective, you could not con- – objectively, okay? Get rid of your, your preconceived biases. You cannot conclude that A.J. is better than Andy. So um, – I, I, I feel like the, the, the love affair with A.J. McCarron. Look, I had people telling me, A.J. McCarron, boy, you, 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 have you read what they're saying about him in minicamp? And I'm like, yeah. He's got that it factor. You know, Andy Dalton, no it factor. And I'm going, yeah, he's going to the playoff four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy minicamp. I like the guys going to the playoff four times. Mm-hmm. Especially when, you know, A.J. McCarron as a pro wasn't necessarily something that was really held in, in high regard. But at the same time, looking ahead, you have a quarterback who's been very durable for seven years, but who will be playing behind an offensive line that might not be all that good. Mm -hmm. Um, You do know that if Dalton gets injured, what you're going to get, there's great value in that. There is evidence to suggest that your season doesn't have to come to a crashing uh, halt if you lose your starting quarterback. It's, It's an insurance policy. It's an expensive insurance policy. But... Yeah, I I wouldn't have a major problem with it. I wouldn't I have a major problem with them paying uh, A.J. McCarron more money to come back for a year. And, and by the way, you could also still trade him, mm-hmm. right? That's the thing is you could still trade him at the deadline. Let's say Cleveland. Cleveland's obviously the natural fit, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, if they midseason, they have an injury or something, and they, I, who knows? But, yeah, you could still trade him down the line. It's just during free agency if someone else wanted to sign him. They would have to give up a first-round pick. Now, they could place a second-round tender on Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? No, why would you do that? They've showed you for years how much they value A.J. McCarron. For years. they haven't moved him. Yeah, for years they've said, if you would not said, but but for years the inference has been, if you want A.J. McCarron, you have to give us a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. So why would they change the asking price now? And, yeah, did they drop it down to a second and a third? Yes, but that would have been a very high second and probably a very high third from Cleveland. That would have been a haul. It would have been huge for, for a backup for a guy who's inconsequential on, on game day. Mm-hmm. I think the more fascinating scenario is if the arbiter rules that he's an unrestricted free agent. Because then then we're gonna know what he's worth. Then we're we're finally gonna know, okay, the entire league has a crack at AJ McCarron. Mm-hmm. Where does he fit in, in the pecking order of the guys that could be drafted, of guys like Kirk Cousins, of guys like uh uh the, the Minnesota quarterbacks who are all set to hit free agency? Where where does he fit in? Is there a team that's like, I got a shot to get A.J. McCarron, I'm doing it, and I'll overpay. And forget drafting someone, do the Cleveland Browns say, that's our guy. I'm not entirely convinced that John Dorsey's on board with Hugh Jackson. If you're John Dorsey, do you want to give a head coach that you really don't want the guy that he wants? I mean, there's lots of things at play there. From a Bengals standpoint, it's more interesting because now you got to go get a better backup quarterback or a different backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. Does Jeff Driscoll rise into that role? Do they draft someone? Is there a free agent? Where do they draft someone? As a fan of the Bengals, I'm more than okay with A.J. McCarron coming back to be the backup Mm -hmm. because then I have one of the best quarterback situations in the league. As a fan of interesting, I I want to see what A.J. McCarron's worth.
Because for two and a half years, I've heard people, oh, dude, this guy, you win a Super Bowl with this guy. Let's see if the league feels that way. Let's see if the NFL as a whole feels like A.J. McCarron's a franchise quarterback. Let's see what the Bengals then do with their backup quarterback because that might tell you what they're going to do long-term with Andy Dalton. The more interesting thing is him hitting free agency. Might not be better for the Bengals, but it's more interesting. It's interesting. And then they, they, he would leave, or probably sign elsewhere, but you ready for a hot take? It's a day early. Sure. Probably still be a backup somewhere. Like, if I had to predict, yeah. if I had to predict, like, let, let's think about the spots. Arizona bringing in A.J. McCarron as the starter? Tough for me to see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but mm-hmm. tough. Cleveland really going to bring in A.J. McCarron as the starter? Maybe for a couple games. Right. But then Josh Rosen's there. And when they start 0-3, <laughs> then, right. then you turn it over. That's right. just how it is. They're going to draft a quarterback if they, if they sign A.J. McCarron. So, to me. I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be backup that he is here where you have no chance to play. And I don't think he's going to be welcomed as the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Hey, you have a shot in July and maybe you'll play some, you're probably not going to be the guy long-term, but you're better than what we had. Like, if you signed A.J. McCarron and Case Keenum, let's just say Arizona got both of those guys. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you give an A.J. McCarron a start at the— Case Keenum took a team to the NFC Championship that's, game. That's the point. Like, Case Keenum will be out there. Let's say you bring in Teddy Bridgewater. You, you, I guess you could let McCarron and Bridgewater compete. That would mm-hmm. be one. I'm just trying to think of the scenarios because if you're not doing it with Dalton, you're not going to do it with Cousins. You're not going to do it if you draft a quarterback first overall. Like, he's going to be the guy. Washington can't do it now. Right. Like, there isn't that many landing spots for him. Like, there isn't any in the NFC. Outside of Arizona, there's none. No, I mean, like, if you're reading everything that the national people are writing in the aftermath of the Alex Smith thing, A.J. McCarron's name is only being mentioned in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be – he might be Hugh Jackson's first choice – but I'm not sure he's going to be the Browns' first choice. Their first choice is going to be Kirk Cousins. Exactly. So, again, what is he? He's the insurance policy for the Cleveland Browns, the worst team in football. Like, the, the value, and, and I, I get it. I, I, there's, uh, Alabama has a big fan base. And, look, I, I talk about this, and people say, man, you hate A.J. McCarron. I go, no, I don't. Like, I, I value him as, as what he is, a very reliable backup quarterback. If, if A.J. McCarron had to step in next year and play – I'd be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. The, the team can function. He's going to be prepared. He's going to be ready. He's going to relish the opportunity. That actually might be what he needs. But the league has told you for two years, this guy has no value. Mm-hmm. Most teams in the NFL, if you went to him and said, we'll take your backup quarterback for a first-round pick, after they got done laughing at a, at a pure giddiness, <laughs> they'd pack his bags for him. Yeah. No one has approached the Bengals with that. No one has overwhelmed the Bengals, and, and, and the Bengals have played this, I think, the way they should. You're going to have to pry them off our hands. Finally, desperation met opportunity with the Cleveland thing, and through no faults of their own, the, the deal didn't get done. The league is telling you that they don't think he's a bona fide, hands-down, surefire franchise quarterback. If so, a team would have called Mike Brown, a team would have called the Bengals and said, what's it going to take? What do you want? What can we give you for A.J. McCarron? They would do that for a lot of quarterbacks in this league. Mm-hmm. They, they're not doing that for this guy. He's Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360. Could Andy Dalton, Blandy Dalton, end up being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? Plus, the Bengals finally landed a big free agent, sort of. I'll explain why next on Cincy 360.
360 is back on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Mo, if I told you you could go to the Super Bowl right now, but you had to walk around Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis, without a coat for five hours. It's negative one there, by the way. Would you do it? Are the Bengals playing? No, I mean for, for Sunday. Oh, no. Producer Jimmy Sandy says yes. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. No. I hate being cold. Is there anything worse than being cold? Yes, but I hate being cold. It's like one of the worst things. Being cold is, is cold awful. Cold and wet's worse than cold, but yes. Do you think that Eagles coach Doug Peterson looks like a gym teacher? Yes. He looks like every gym teacher I ever had. He does. He Honest looks to like God, like teacher. gym. Th- he needs <laughs> like, to be wearing sweats, but yes. The kind of gym teacher who like, he doesn't really coach a sport after school. He's just a gym teacher yep. and he'll teach like health, yeah, driver's he ed. Health. Yep. And he sits in his office reading the sports page because that's what gym teachers are supposed to do. That's what he looks like. He looks like like four of my gym teachers. He looks dead on. Dead on. That's interesting. Yeah, he doesn't coach at all. Just does that. It's funny because he is a coach, and he's a really good one. That's he is Eagles a very good coach. Uh, it, it's crazy what happens when you move on from your coach and you bring in a new guy. How interesting can, how that can happen. Can turn around. He's mm. Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. Got about eight minutes left. Let's. Uh, one thing you mentioned to me in the pre-show meeting, and, and we're going to have more of this. Uh, today from the from three to six, but uh, you think that there's a scenario where Andy Dalton, well, a team, an NFL team, backs up the Brinks truck for Andy Dalton. Put it yeah. that way. If we're doing this for Kirk Cousins now, why is it that far fetched to think that the league won't do this for Andy Dalton in three years? Mm-hmm. It might sound weird to think of him in those terms, but I mean, I mean, think about that. We we're at a place where Alex Smith just got seventy one seventy one million dollars guaranteed in a deal that, that might pay him ultimately $90 million. Kirk Cousins is about to sign the, what might be the richest contract in the history of the National Football League. If, if you're Andy Dalton, you're looking at the next three years going, okay, I'm, I'm just now turning 30. Uh, if I play at the level that I've played the first seven years, knowing how quarterbacks never hit free agency, understanding how desperate teams will, with the desperate lengths teams will go to to get a quarterback, probably not likely. But is it that far-fetched? No, it's not. It's, it's crazy to think about. But imagine a team like the Browns, you know? I mean, they're, they're going to try to pay Kirk Cousins anything he wants. Denver's right. going to probably pay Kirk Cousins a lot. There will be a quarterback-needy team in three years. Oh, there'll it be may, more than one. It may, might even be the Bengals. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's one of those things. And could you imagine the reaction to a – the Bengals just signed Andy Dalton to a four-year – Hundred and ten million dollar extension. All right, something, but, but something. But not. now let's think about this because the Bengals. What, what are the two things they value? Continuity and consistency. It's why Marvin's coming back. It's mm-hmm. why Andy Dalton's never going to be moved on from as long as he's under contract. Consistency and continuity. What are they also? What's one of their sort of organizational tenets? They they don't overpay. We don't overpay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we always talk about Andy Dalton in terms of well the Bengals can move on from him. Who's to say? that it can't be the other way around. Andy plays exactly the way he has over the last seven years for the next three. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they win big, maybe they don't. Maybe I, I'm, uh, he's going to display a level of, of competence, and he's going to sometimes display a level of incompetence, but he's going to hold down the position for the next three years. The Bengals, and, and a lot of variables here, who's the coach, where's Mike Brown, um, who has control of the organization, all those things. But you have a team that values Andy, that values continuity. You have a quarterback who's basically been the same guy for seven years in a league that values QBs and will overpay them. 
Who's to say it's not Andy Dalton going to the Bengals? <laughs> yeah, it's time to pay me. Last time I signed a team-friendly deal. And then if you're the Bengals, what do you do? Because over here, you have your con uh, continuity and consistency and stability. Over here, you have maybe having to overpay Andy Dalton. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You prepare for it. Yeah. Yeah. So you draft a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. You know, you draft a quarterback. Let's let's hope you that don't want Andy Dalton to be the guy holding your your franchise hostage. Imagine if the Redskins last year had drafted Pat Mahomes. Right, exactly. Then they wouldn't have had to, or or, or any quarterback, Deshaun and, Watson. And, and Andy Dalton decided to do what Kirk Cousins didn't do. The, the Redskins offered Kirk Cousins a number of very team friendly deals. Mm -hmm. His prerogative, he said, "Thanks, but no thanks." Now I'm going to go hit free agency, and he's going to break the bank. Andy took the other approach, which was, "Fine, I'll take your deal. I'll take the security of a long term deal. Don't have to worry about it. I'm locked into him 33, but." I'm going to be paid less, and you guys can get out from the contract mm -hmm. whenever you want. I would imagine the second go-around, whenever Andy and the Bengals start talking contract extension again, and that's going to happen in the next three years. If I'm Andy, if I'm Andy's agent, I'm going, dude, we, we did them a solid last time. This is your last chance, all right? You're not, you're not going to have more chances than this. Knock our socks off or I'm out. Go be like Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. And it sounds far-fetched. It sounds strange because we all, you know, we all kind of know what Andy is and what he isn't. But who's to say he can't be in a position in three years to do exactly what Kirk Cousins is doing? And the thing is, is I'm not sure the Bengals would franchise him. They're not big on the franchise. Tag. Right. They don't use that. Maybe they would. But who knows? So, yeah, that's certainly interesting. He's Mo. I'm James. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. The, Mo, I, I got to tell you, I never thought I'd say this, but the Bengals have someone that Aaron Rodgers wanted. Really? Aaron Rodgers wanted to keep someone, and the Bengals landed him in free agency. His name is Alex Van Pelt. He's the former Packers quarterbacks coach from 2014 to, well, less than a month ago. And uh, <laughs> the Packers didn't renew his contract, and they didn't say anything to Rodgers, who was kind of miffed by it. Here he is earlier this morning he was on, miffed. on Golic and Wingo, which airs every single weekday here on ESPN 1530. But you mentioned some of those changes that, that you thought were a little curious. What were some of those changes you thought were a little curious? Well, my quarterback coach yeah. didn't get retained. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was uh, an interesting change, uh, really without consulting me. Um, there's a close uh, connection between quarterback and quarterback coach, um, and uh, that was an interesting decision. So you can read between the tea leaves there. <laughs> The fat, and, it, and by the way, that's uh, Aaron Rodgers on Golik and Wingo. It airs 6 to 10 every single day here on ESPN 1530. Aaron Rodgers is pissed. That's what that says. The fact that he acknowledges that and says, oh, that was an interesting decision. Mm -hmm. You're not going to come to me and mention it? Say, hey, we might let Alex go? It bothers him. Now, some might say, well, coach is coach and players play, blah, blah, blah. Not when you have Aaron Rodgers. If I'm the Packers, <laughs> I'm doing everything to try to keep Aaron Rodgers happy because outside of Aaron – They've been bad. Yeah. They've been a bad organization in yeah. recent years. And, oh, so the Bengals, how good is this? We have a guy Aaron Rodgers wanted coaching mm -hmm. Andy Dalton. Cool. It doesn't mean that Andy's going to become Aaron, but that's I, still, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Aaron Rodgers going to turn on the Bengals game and look over at the Bengals sideline and be like, man, I miss that guy. He may, but he's probably still going to be the MVP next year. <laughs> I mean, like, how I, I long? talking down to that guy in meetings. How long was Alex Van Pelt the quarterback's coach in Green Bay? 
from 2014 to now. So Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers before Alex Van Pelt got there? Okay. Like, <laughs> I get it if, if you're the Packers. Don't piss off the franchise. You know, don't, don't, don't do anything to make – Aaron, who do you want the quarterback's coach to be? But as a Bengals fan, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Like, if you're Alex Van Pelt, you're now out there coaching Andy Dalton, and you just had Aaron Rodgers – are you, like, you know, gnashing your teeth that this Andy can't be Aaron? Well, well, no, but this to me, because the Bengals, they got Frank Pollock from Dallas, the offensive line coach. Oh. And, and a lot of people have, have talked about that. Could you imagine if three Dallas linemen came out and said, why the hell didn't they keep Frank? Sure. It, it would kind of reinforce the decision. So I'm not going to act like I know a ton about Alex Van Pelt up until the Bengals hired him. I didn't know he was the quarterback's coach in Green Bay. Yeah. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers reacts that way, that's something. Sure. There's but it, something it, there. There's, but it's a bigger deal if you're a Packers fan. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's, absolutely. it's a bigger – hey, well, well, all right, is, is Aaron pissed? Is he going to leave one day? Like, Stop being a crap are organization. We, are we angry? Well, okay, does, is Aaron mad? Like, if I'm a Packers fan, that's a little troubling. But as a Bengals fan, okay, you got Aaron Rodgers quarterback's coach. I mean, That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, neat. That's, that's cool. What do you think he wanted to say? I can't believe these bleep, 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 bleep. I was pissed. Like, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a guy that will say how he, how he feels, which I, which I really appreciate. Yeah. But, I mean, as, as a Bengals fan, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to process this. Here, I'll go ahead and make the proposal. Mm-hmm. Hey, Green Bay, the Bengals will give you, I'll convince Mike Brown to give you Aaron, uh, Andy Dalton in their entire 2018 draft class. We'll have Aaron Rodgers. For Aaron Rodgers. You would do that, right? Yes. Okay. I'm just yes. making sure you would. I would. Yeah. And what? I'm the draft guy who enjoys the draft. What do you want? Ted Thompson, what, uh, the, the new guy. What do you <laughs> the, want? The new guy, yeah. What do you want? Uh, so, yeah, it's cool. Aaron Rodgers, we, 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 we got his quarterbacks coach. Andy, Skyline, and all of our draft picks. Not, not, not skyline. I'm like not giving some, up skyline. No, some skyline. Oh, I don't some mean the skyline. Like, not the franchise. No, like a gift card to whole skyline company. with a blank gift card. No, I can't give up the whole company. Okay. I love skyline. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. You know what tomorrow is? I, yeah, I know. I get it. You don't know. I left. It. I don't know what to do with that. You know what like tomorrow we got is? <laughs> Rogers quarterbacks coach. You're Great. dying. You're dying. We're gonna talk Super Bowl tomorrow. Is that because the game is on Sunday? We've held off all week. We now have. we can talk about my guy Tom Brady and his quest to be the best. He's already the best. He's Mo. I'm James. This is all icing. Mo on the cake. back at it at 3:03. I need more icing. Um, make sure you check out Mo three to six today. The Stephen A. Smith Show is next on ESPN 1530.